Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hey, what's happening? Mike Schmidt, 40-Year-Old Boy Podcast. Taking a short amount of time here to jump in and give you a special note. (laughs) Seems weird to give you a special note. Um... So this is supposed to be week one of, of uh, year 12 of the podcast. As you know, with no music there, you've obviously heard clearly this is not going to be a normal episode. You also saw the running time there, unless I've gone ahead and made some sort of change where running time is going to be incredibly short for year 12. How great would that be? I could bust out all of year 12 in a fucking week if they were all short episodes. Uh, but the, unfortunately, they're not. I, I've had a confluence of events that have kept me from doing a normal episode this week. It is Thursday now. Um... I, I planned on doing one yesterday. It's a, it's a very long, uh, convoluted story. I don't think it's convoluted, really, and it's not long. It's it's something I could just tell you, but then it would burn what I want to tell you. Ah, fuck, I'll just tell you. Ah, I don't want to tell you. But I, I want to do a real episode where I actually get to tell you about this kind of stuff. Um, suffice to say that I'm, I'm uh, a little under the weather, uh, and I know I don't sound under the weather. Normally when I'm under the weather, it's my throat that's all fucked up. And you guys hear me and you're like, oh, Jesus Christ, you swallow fucking razor blades. And it's like, yes, haha, that's what I do. Um, but this time it's a little, it's something a little bit different. And I thought it was over with and now it's not. And, and, uh, and so sitting and doing a full show is, is uh, a chore. I, I won't lie. I, I also had, there was a mechanical problem. There was, there's a physical problem. Holy fuck. See, this is what happens. You know, a podcast is like a car, man. Once you get to the 12-year mark, you really got to stay on top of the fucking thing or it just fucking falls apart. And no matter, and with, even with your better efforts, even if you're on top of the goddamn thing, the whole thing could fucking just somehow fall apart. So here's here's my plan. I'm going to attach, I'm going to put up an older episode with this little announcement just uh, as, a, as a way to say, hey, look, there's still, I'm still here. I'm hoping to possibly do an episode this week. Uh, it, it's Thursday now. Um, like I said, I was planning on doing it yesterday, but then a mechanical thing happened. And then while the mechanical thing was being processed, a physical thing happened that I thought had been taken care of. Oh, look at all of this bullshit. This is just, just sound. And I know, I know it seems silly to just be like magic trick guy. Who's like, and then this happened, but then this happened. I should just fucking tell you. But if I tell you, then I, I don't, um, I want to tell you in a longer episode, I'd like to actually spell it out for you in a way, um, you know, d- 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 instead of just going, it's like if someone was to go, yeah, my aunt got murdered. You'd be like, oh, fuck, your aunt got murdered. What a drag. Um, I'd like to explain to you exactly all of the machinations that led to my aunt getting <laughs> murdered. Does that make sense? Probably a terrible analogy to choose for this particular thing, but uh, Hitchcock used to say a thing. He'd be like, "Hey, man, if you're if you're if you have a movie, and a, and a fucking building just explodes, it's a terrible shock. Everybody freaks the fuck out. They're like, whoa, that was fucking crazy. We never saw that coming.' However, if you show the audience the bomb, and then you spend ten minutes going around the building showing everybody living their lives and having lunch or whatever the fuck, everybody's sitting there going, "Oh my god, what the fuck? I can't believe this building's gonna blow. Everybody's got to get the fuck out of there." It's like it's leading to tension, and it's a uh, it's a it's a it's a common uh, tenet of storytelling 
Um, you know, everybody's like, show me, don't tell me that sort of thing. Well, I can't show you because it's a podcast. So I have to tell you. So, uh, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. I'm, I'm just talking. I'm literally talking between bouts of, uh, not being able to talk if that makes sense. And it's, it's a long story, but it's not really a long story. That's the thing. Again, I can tell you in seconds and how, how horseshit is this to just put this out here? I know I'm going to, I, so here's my plan. Fuck. I'm going to attach an older episode now. Um, I, I'm not sure exactly which one, you know, uh, I, our, our good friend, Anne, who's a listener to this show had rec- she had like asked for an episode a while ago and she said it was one of her favorite episodes. So I think I'm going to go ahead and attach that. I, it might be episode 46 of year one. I think, um, I'll have to go. I have to double check. I, I know I should be more prepared for this kind of bullshit, but you know, I don't want to have an on deck possibility because that just gives you the opportunity to fucking pull the lever and fall out the trap door. And who cares? Uh, I want to do shows. I don't want to fucking give you a rerun, but especially week fucking one of year 12. God damn it. <sighs> All right. So, uh, um, but my plan is to do, I want to do an episode this week. If I feel better even today, later today or, or tomorrow, I can bust out, uh, an actual episode for you guys. But right now, uh, <laughs> sitting here and doing an episode is, is, uh, a non-starter just in it. I'll explain why eventually. <laughs> and, 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 uh, who, uh, <laughs> cause I'll, I'll be, uh, again, I'll be honest with you. Even this was difficult to do and, and I'm, I'm doing my best to, to get through it and you don't care and nobody cares. Well, that's all that's incorrect. You care. Everybody cares. Um, but I will tell you more about it when I can actually sit down, even if I've got to do, you know, 10 minutes at a fucking time and then stitch it together Frankenstein style. Perhaps I'll do that this week. But I, I, I don't like to leave you in a lurch. I mean, I had last week off because of the interlude, but it just so happens that what's going on is coincided with all of this time that I've had off. This has been going on for almost two weeks now. Um, and I, and I, I thought cleverly, smartly, wisely, I thought would be okay. And actually it looked good this week. And then yesterday, as I was waiting for something else, this showed back up and you don't care, but you do care. Well, let's just wait. You don't care about the vagueness of it. You, you would much rather I went ahead and told you what the fuck was happening. And I will, as soon as I can, when I can do an actual episode where I, I can sit and talk to you. Um, so right now, I'm going to put up this older episode and, uh, and then I'm going to go lay down (laughs) and, and, uh, hopefully you guys will understand. And then, like I said, I might be able to record today even, or tomorrow, um, episode one of year 12, but this does not count. I don't even know what kind of cute, clever name I'm going to come up for this one. Um, but it's, it's, uh, it's necessary. If it wasn't, I wouldn't do it. So thank you. Uh, how great was that fucking interlude last week? It was fucking amazing. I'll talk more about that too when I do a longer episode. And uh, and and you're all very very nice for understanding. And and I will be back as soon as I can. Maybe even as soon as tomorrow. Um, whenever I can actually fucking sit still and do a goddamn episode. I'm so fucking mad right now. All right, enjoy this uh, piece of my past that was recommended by our good friend Anne. I think it's episode 46 of year one, but I could be incorrect and wrong. Um, I, I fucking hate this. I'm so sorry. Thank you.
Hey, thanks. How about that? I can't close on that. I fucking hate this. How weird would that be? Um, you're all lovely to understand. And uh, and hopefully this is not something that wipes me the fuck out in a way where I can't do a show this week or even next week or whatever the fuck. I don't know. It's a coin flip. I don't. I, yeah. <laughs> all right, dudes. Thanks. I'm not making any money talking these days. Good Christ, 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 Christ. Uh, I'm a dick, folks. I'm not going to lie to you. Still am. I guess I am a decent guy. Because I'm a, a, I'm a fucking jerk. Uh, and I'm not a jerk. I'm not an awful guy, but I've just, I've done so much ridiculous stuff. Man, I am, uh, man, I'm an awful guy. Hey, what's happening? Mike Schmidt, 40-year-old boy podcast coming to you from ground zero, apparently. Uh, I'm at the Palatial Von Stupp Estate, and uh, there are workmen crawling all over the joint. There's dudes with, what, do you have a hammer tacker? This guy just came up with a hammer tacker. I don't know what the fuck it is, but he had it, and he's going to use it in another room. So you might hear it at some point. Because uh, normally, if it, you know, her house is usually a beehive of activity anyway, uh, filled with strippers and lesbians and whatnot. But today, uh, there's only one lesbian here. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Uh, no, I'm sure I'm not. Uh, no, there's, but there's workmen here, and they're, they're all uh, doing business, uh, which sounds horrible. What if they were fucking, like in the other room? That sounds terrible, doesn't it? These workmen are here doing business. Because doing business means something entirely different in certain worlds. All right, but these guys are actually doing business. Like, uh, to me, doing business, that could be any number of things. You could be in restroom. You could be, uh, you know, you could be face deep in the hoopla. You could be doing anything. But uh, to these guys, doing business means actually doing their business, which is fixing things. So... Uh, they will be coming in and they'll be going upstairs or walking past or walking through. Perhaps I'll grab one for a short interview about what it's like to have a job. I may make them sit down and, uh, and speak directly into my microphone. I just want to see a burly, tough construction worker come down and have to sit here and share my headset mic with me. So like we're literally, our lips are only separated by the, the tiny boom mic that's between us and see if uh, somehow he gives himself over to my animal magnetism because I, I can sway somebody. Don't kid yourself. Uh, the, you get you get within uh, an inch and a half of my uh, my very kissable lips, and God knows you're gonna fall into it. That's nothing you can do about it. Seriously, you're gonna be like plant one on me anywhere. I don't care, ear, face, nose. Uh, although nose, that would be very odd. I don't know who wants to get kissed on the nose, uh, except for a small child and our friend Lily, who's raising her hand. Uh, that's Lily bunched up, whose job it is to laugh. We all learned that a couple weeks ago, and uh, there she is, earning her money. I uh, and by money, I mean nothing. Uh, but she keeps mentioning it now. Like she's kind of hinting, like she wants to get paid. Uh, I came in today, and our friend Lily is smoking, uh, folks. Feel free to write her at Lily at Burlesque four one one dot com and explain to her how horrible it is that she's smoking, uh, because uh, you know smoking is terrible, as we all know. Uh, you know who doesn't know that? My wife. Uh, she continues to live inside of a pack of Merit Ultima one hundreds. And I, is it, is it, here's how you know, this is when it's bad for you to be smoking. When you go into the liquor store and they're like, hey, Karen, like they like they know who she is because she's constantly in there buying packs of cigarettes. And then we'll stop and she'll be like, could you go in and get one for me? And I always told her, like, I won't enable her that way. I won't go in and buy cigarettes for her. But sometimes, you know, uh, I have to realize that she works, you know, 45 hours a week and I don't do anything. So uh, I have to go in there for her and then I'll walk in and they'll go, where is she? Car? 
And uh, and then it, that sounds horrible. Like they're going to, you know, why, why do you have a hit squad that's going to take her for ransom or something? What's happening here? Uh, but instead I just go, yeah, she's in the car, worked all day. And they're like, oh. Ho, ho, ho. And by the way, the guy who works at the liquor store, he looks just like Lou the racist bartender, but he's an Arab, like he's like a Palestinian or something. So I always tell her, I always say it's Arabian Lou. Whenever we go there, I go, oh, fucking Arabian Lou is in there. And uh, then Karen's like, go get me some cigarettes, please. Uh, Karen, not home, by the way. Uh, that's uh, That should explain why I'm talking so much. I don't know. No, I talk a lot. Anyway, uh, Karen is not home. She's been gone for like four days because of her work. And uh, and I and believe me, you would you wouldn't know it because I keep a neat home, folks. I, I, I keep a neat house even when she's not there. Uh, but I got a sock that looks like it's uh, going to run away on its own. <laughs> it is not good. It, I, this sock, I have abused this sock to the point where I think it may actually uh, somehow make its way to the phone and call the rape crisis center. This fo- this sock it cannot be happy with me. This sock is like, oh, man, I you know, I have a job here. I'm a sock. What are you doing to me? This is horrible. I, I honestly believe if you boiled this sock, I could have a kid. I don't know how the physiology of it works, but somehow if you boiled the sock, I could make a child out of it. I think that's w- how it could work out. Maybe. No? All right. Uh, so it's bad. Yeah, but she'll be home soon, and uh, and then she'll, you know, uh, find that sock, which is horrible. <laughs> find it. She's gonna. It's going to be on the road. It's going to actually escape and, 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 like, you know, slink around, and, and it's going to report me to the cops, and then I'm going to get called in, and I'll be on News of the Weird. For raping a sock. Uh, which is better than the guy who raped a raccoon. Did you see that story? Guy raped what? a raccoon. Yeah. It was I was in the paper last week. Uh, not the paper, but it was on the internet. Which, of course, means it's true. As we all know, any story on the internet is absolutely true. Uh, but a guy uh, raped a raccoon. Got a little loaded in Russia, I think it was. And uh, and I don't even know how how drunk you got to be to think, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fuck a raccoon. I mean, I, you know, we've talked about fucking pandas and everything else on this show, but to actually have to, to, to make the leap. I mean, talking about it is one thing. Sure, we've all talked about it. <laughs> Everyone has sat down and discussed the possibility of banging an animal. But to actually take that leap and make that step, that's going to be a lot of booze or a lot of money on the table in a bet. That's the only thing I can think. Cause and a raccoon? Well, why a raccoon? Raccoons aren't attractive. They got masks on and they got teeth. They're looking. Just stick your dick in a hat, okay? Honestly, you get like all the pleasure of the raccoon and then none of the torrential claws and teeth that will go ahead and tear your scrotum apart. Which uh, you know, seriously, puts a damper on your sex. I can tell you that. Certainly, my prom night told me that you do not, any teeth involved in that are going to ruin any sex that you might have uh, going on. And uh, yeah, I didn't go to prom. That, that would be any other. I actually. I should say there was a night. All right. When I lived in Lake Tahoe, I was working as a bouncer and, uh, and then I wound up DJing sometimes. And by DJing, I mean, I was the world's worst DJ. I would, you would actually hear the song fade and then I would mix in the next song. It was so, I was so bad at it. Uh, you do not want Mike Schmidt behind the wheels of steel. That's what I'm telling you folks. Uh, but it didn't matter cause I fucking loved it. And then here's how bad a DJ I was. I would actually DJ and I would put on like a song and I'd go dance. Like I'd be on the dance floor dancing and then it would start to like kind of fade out and I'd be like, I gotta get up there and put on another song. And an entire club would stop and wait for me to do it. Uh, so, uh, in those days, your friend Mike was in a bar and when you're in a bar, sometimes you'll meet, uh, young women of the loose variety. Uh, <laughs> and there was this girl who came up in the DJ booth one time and I, I uh, she was like kind of a little drunk. And for some reason, I was a celebrity because I was mixing the music and she wanted a request, you know, because and it was funny when you were the DJ, people would offer you like bumps of coke and like all sorts of stuff to play a song. And it's like, hey, it's my job to play fucking songs. I mean, I understand you're being nice. You can hold on to your coke. Uh, I'll just go ahead and I- I'm I'm happy to play, uh, you know, Prince or whatever the fuck you want me to play. Uh, so I would play uh, stuff. 
And this woman comes into the DJ booth, and uh, I was wearing shorts because that's what you wear in a club, folks. <laughs> and uh, and we wind up like making out, and, and all, I mean, literally out of nowhere, she just thrusts her hand into my shorts, and uh, and I'm like, well, business is about to pick up, so. Uh, <laughs> I kind of like lean back and I look at her and I'll never forget. I wish I, I, you can't see my face, but she made a face that was like, huh? You like that? Huh? Is that what you like? like? But it was like mean, like a really angry. It was like an angry hand job face. Like it was just like she like like we were making out and she's like, yeah, we're making out. And then a hand into the shorts is like, uh-huh. Yeah, that's right. And like a fast crank. And I'm like, what? I, you know, that's not feeling good at all. No offense, but I mean, you know, but again, when you're a dude and you've got some strange chick who just grabs your cock, you're like, well, as long as she doesn't put in a pencil sharpener, I'm fine. <laughs> so she's going at it and she's just got like a, a fist. And then she, and then this was the weirdest thing. Uh, uh, she like grabbed, <laughs> she grabbed my balls and like, and like was holding them in her fist and like just looking at me like, oh yeah, like those are your balls. I'm like, yeah, the, yes they are. I mean, I, I brought them. Weird enough, I brought them to the club with me tonight. And that's where I keep them, right in that area where you've got a, a, a fistful of, of a tennis ball right there. Uh, so she's she's going at it and I, and, I'm make, and still making the weird face. And I'm like, all right, I got to change the record. And as I lean over to change the record, she, she thinks it's cute to still be like jerking me off while I'm, I'm doing the record. So uh, I, have to, I have to do a crossfade. Well, my cock is getting cross-faded. So I'm like, all right, let's do this. Bing, bing, and it works, and I do it. So then we get back to making out, and then she's just like, oh, yeah, oh I'm, I'm, I'm going to suck your dick. And I'm like, yes, you are. And uh, anything to keep this death grip that you've got off of my cock, please. I, I mean, I, I don't think my cock breathes, but if he does, he hasn't in, in hours because of what you've just done to him. Jesus, you may have bruised my cock's trachea. I don't know if my cock has a trachea, but if he does, you've certainly done a number on it at this point. <laughs> She's choking it like Homer Simpson working over Bart, like when he grabs him by the neck and he just goes, ah, 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 ah. my dick's actually making that noise. It's like, ah, ah, ah. I'm like, dude, seriously, I, we're playing music here. I don't want you to be hurt over the music. So I'm trying to calm my dick down. She's throttling it. And, uh, and I mean, she's just, I mean, she's hanging on to it like she's falling out of a plane. I mean, it's like she's, she's got this death grip on it. And I, I can't even imagine, but thank God it's dark because if I look down, I'm sure, like the the you know the the head of my cock, it looks like a canned ham. It's all swollen up and just because the blood's going nowhere. She's just holding a, just a fistful of it, and I'm like, all right. So finally, she decides that she's going to go and and involve herself uh, uh, orally, and I'm like, great, please. So just so he doesn't choke to death, and uh, she goes down on me, and and just it, it was like the only thing I can say. It, it, all right. <laughs> And uh, and it's funny. I should have known something. Like I should have realized that this might happen. Because here, when we uh, when we were making out, like in the booth, again, she was so drunk. She was, she was, <laughs> she was like the college cheerleader of sex. Like she was like, go, 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 yes, yes, yes. Like she was that excited. Like I said, she's got a fistful of my dick, and she's ready to fucking break it off and take it home. And when we were making out, she was jerking her face forward. Like she wasn't just kissing me. She was trying to climb into my mouth. I mean, it, our teeth were clicking together. It was like, have you ever kissed somebody who doesn't know how to kiss, like, and they're that bad at it? Well, she's half in the bag anyway. And then, like I said, you know, she seizes my dick. That's the only word I can possibly use. She seized my cock. And then we're making out, and she's banging her face into my face. And I'm like, like I'm at a Ramones show all of a sudden. What are you doing? Calm down. You know, I'll drive. It's all right. I mean, I understand you're, you're working the gear shift, but let me drive up top. 
Uh, but it didn't matter, man. We'd be making out, and she'd be like, kink, kink, and our teeth are clicking together. And uh, and then she's going to go down on me, and I'm like, and again, this is how bad guys are. We're like, yeah, go ahead, even though, honestly, if she's that bad at, at the rest of it, how good is that going to be? It's going to be terrible. But everybody, you know, you always, it's so funny. There's all these bullshit things. It's like, ha-ha, blowjobs are like pizza. Even when they're bad, they're good. I'm here to tell you that's not correct. Because she went down on me, and uh, and she, you know what? She worked it like corn on the cob. I'm not gonna lie to you, folks. <laughs> I mean, it was it was just she, it was like she was trying to get to the the prize in the center. I mean, it was she was just gnawing on it like it was like she needed the marrow like a dog. Work. I mean, it was just horrible. And uh, and I'm in a DJ booth, so there's people literally like a stone's throw away. I could have gotten help if I wanted help. But at that point, like I said, you, you know, it, it's my dick's in the wood chipper. Pulling it out now at this point isn't going to help. And uh, and she's just going to work on it. And uh, and it's so funny. I'm looking down at her. I'm just going, you're so bad at this. Like, I, I want to tell her that, but you don't, obviously, because, you know, uh, uh, my dick's in her mouth. And honestly, she, the way she's working it, she could chomp it off at any second. All of a sudden, she's Andy Dufresne and Shawshank, and I got an ice pick at her neck. So she she proceeded to just... I mean, just gnaw on it like like she was trying to honestly get away, and it was ca- it was like my dick was in a bear trap, and she was trying to help me by gnawing it off so I could escape. So I I can understand that like, like when I hear about that guy fucking the raccoon, I'm like, well, I know what it would have been like. I I don't even know how you come to that uh, uh, decision that you're gonna you know who's that's drunk man that is so drunk if you're like you know what dude I'm gonna go fuck a raccoon honestly. Why raccoon? Because I can't catch the cat. That's why. Raccoons are not attractive animals. It makes no sense. I, I, I mean, usually, usually you're chasing them with brooms to keep them away, and they, you know, they're surly and they're angry, and we're angry at them. How are you going to seduce a raccoon? That makes no sense. You just are you going to lick the lead, a, like have a trail of garbage all the way to your cock? Is that how that's going to work? Like, he's going to chew corn cobs and apple cores, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, yeah, you know what? This guy's been pretty nice. I'll give up some raccoon ass. Why not? Go ahead and tag me right under the curly tail. That's where I keep the area where I like to get tagged. And uh, and it's funny because uh, and, and the raccoon wound up biting off his cock. Like, I mean, how do you not see that coming? If you're gonna, Let me tell you, all right, here, just, just as a general rule, if you're going to fuck something that has razor-sharp teeth, I would avoid the mouth area. If you believe me, trust again, trust me. And because this guy banged this raccoon and he wasn't even like in a DJ booth. So he couldn't like signal for help. I mean, he, he, there was no way he could say, Hey, this is happening. Uh, yeah, he, uh, and I, but I, I, oh, that was so awful. Her face. And it's so funny. You ever see, like, I can see her face. I can close my eyes and see her face when she grabbed me and, and made that like when she seized it, when she, and uh, I'm just it's like, oh, yeah, you like that? No, fucking no, I don't like that. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, like, it's like uh, if I wasn't circumcised, I am now. Because you just yanked off the uh, the whole helmet and everything. <laughs> oh, man. Watch the Super Bowl. Did you guys watch the Super Bowl? Of course you did. Why am I talking to you like that? Like, Like you would. That's so stupid. Uh, hey, did you guys watch the Super Bowl? Duh. All right. 
I uh, I enjoyed seeing Bruce Springsteen's cock come flying at me at 100 miles an hour. That was fun at the halftime show. That was it was just like he did this slide. You didn't see it. He he uh, he ran and slid on his knees across the stage, and the cameraman is like right here, and he comes sliding at him, and boom, his crotch rammed right into the camera. No. Yeah, and then Bruce got up, and he's like. He's smiling and he's like, ha ha, and he's laughing and, and everybody's having a good time. And uh, and I just pictured that cameraman with a black eye the next day. And everybody's like, hey, what happened to you? Ah, Bruce Springsteen hit me in the eye with his cock. I got, I got a huge shiner from Boss Cock. <laughs> oh, man. I lost. I lost the pools. We lost the second quarter pool and the fourth quarter pool on last minute plays. We In the second quarter, we were winning. And, uh, and Arizona was driving, and uh, we had the numbers. We had the proper numbers. And uh, all we were like, what we needed was we needed Pittsburgh to pick the ball off or have a turnover. And uh, and I was like, and that's what happened. All of a sudden, Pittsburgh intercepted the ball, and I'm like, yeah, we just won. And uh, I turned around to high-five somebody, and then I turned around, and the guy from Pittsburgh is still running. James Harrison is still running. And we're like, no, you got to tackle him, right? And uh, he went 100 yards and scored a touchdown. So by, by rights, we shouldn't have won anyway because Arizona would have scored. But it just looked like, yeah, we won. No, we didn't win. Holy God. Nothing like losing on the one of the greatest plays in Super Bowl history where you're like, yeah, hey, that was good, but I lost money. <laughs> Then we lost in the fourth quarter, too, at the last second. When the Cardinals uh, scored and took the lead, we had the numbers all lined up again. And we're like, all they got to do is stop the Steelers. That's all they got to do. Steelers, one of the greatest drives in Super Bowl history, marched down the field and cost me another 60 bucks or whatever the fuck it was. Jerks. But not as bad as my buddy. My buddy Walker was there. Uh, Arizona scored late with like two and a half minutes left. And he makes this face. He's like, <gasps> and we're like, what? Because he's in a huge pool. And he goes, that's, that's me. I got the numbers. It was for a thousand bucks, and uh, he was winning. And all he needed was the Steelers to get stopped, and uh, the Steelers did not get stopped. They marched down the field and scored, and uh, and then Walker was sitting there, and and just this glum face. And uh, we were at Mike Siegel's house, and Mike Siegel takes the pool sheet and he goes, "Who wins fourth quarter pool? Walker." <laughs> so Walker Walker lost a thousand, but he won uh, sixty. So you know, it evened out there for him. They're not to be good. Uh, gambling is awful. Gambling is like is the worst. I mean, it's so fun to to bet and get like the adrenaline rocking, and then when you lose, it's just this this. You're laying there going, "Oh my god!" You just spit all over your computer monitor when you laughed. That was the craziest thing I've ever seen. Oh Jesus! That looked like a frisbee of DNA just went and splashed into the into the laptop screen. No, I did. Yeah. Yes, you did. I'm not lying. Yeah, you're. La- I'm glad you're enjoying yourself, but and I'm and I'm glad you're at a different angle because otherwise, <laughs> this show would have taken a horrible turn. And I was as I was, you know, next thing you know, I'm passed out, and William L. Peterson's running a blue light over my face. <laughs> Jesus, that was awful. Uh, all right, what are you talking about? Oh, gambling. Oh, gambling is terrible, dude. I just. When I lived in Tahoe, when I was, uh, you know, back in the days when I was uh, meeting girls with uh, with plenty of bite, I uh, <laughs> girls with plenty of bite—that's what you call it. Uh, that was one because that was funny. That was when I first started like getting laid. Why does that even matter? No one cares. Because uh, I mean, I didn't I didn't lose it until I was what twenty? Is that when I lost it? I lost it in Tahoe, and then I think the old phrase is "Katie bar the door." You know why? Because <laughs> Mike's at the fucking door, Katie, and you're about to get pinned to the mattress. Jesus Christ, he's, he's, this guy's a walking hard-on for the next two years. Uh, but that's, uh, yeah, that's all I did. So, uh, uh, 
<laughs> but I, I, that and gambling. I moved to Tahoe to gamble. Like, uh, there was a guy named Guy. And uh, I know that sounds weird. But uh, he met me in Southern California. He's like, dude, I'm, I have a gambling thing. Like, why don't you come and work with me up in Lake Tahoe? And I'm like, oh, okay. Because I was doing nothing. I was aimless at this point. This is after I'd fallen asleep at the 7-Eleven and, uh, and then, you know, worked and ruined my little Caesars uh, thing with Lenny because uh, my brother would give me jobs and then I, would, uh, I was very bad at them. And, uh, you know, I, would, like, I worked at Little Caesars and I was the kind of guy who would, like, call local restaurants to trade food. You ever do that if you work at a restaurant? I worked at Little Caesars, the best one ever. Oh, my God. I worked at Little Caesars in, in, in uh, Orange, California. Was it Orange? And uh, there was a Baskin-Robbins right next door. And we would call them and we'd be like, hey, you guys hungry? And we would make them. Because, you know, here was the best thing about pizza. You could make one pizza and feed an entire crew somewhere. But then they had to give you, like, ten sacks of food to, to equal it. So we would make a couple pizzas and just walk them over to Baskin-Robbins. And then we would get, like, fucking eight Sundays. And me and two other people would just, like, clean house on the Baskin-Robbins. Uh I don't know how American commerce survives, folks. <laughs> I have no idea. Between all of the scams and all of the horrible things people have done, uh, I think, I, you know what, I actually put a company out of business once. I, I, I fully believe I put a company out of business. There was a, I worked at a record store when I was a kid. And, uh, yeah, I, all right, I'll tell you this story. I, uh, you know, after, uh, after school, after high school, after five years of uh, unsuccessful high school, uh, I needed to get a job, folks. And, uh, and you know, when you're back then, it mattered if you had a high school diploma. I guess I should say, once you get older, you can just lie because they're not going to check your high school transcript. Nobody cares unless they listen to your free internet radio show. <laughs> but, uh, but when I was a kid, uh, you know, because you're, you're around that age, hold on, you hear that noise? That's workmen coming in and out. And I'm going to actually continue to talk. No, I don't care if you're shush. Hi, how are you? Good to see you. Take care of yourself. Uh, I don't know who that person was. They, they, they wouldn't talk. It's so funny when anybody sees anybody talking to a microphone, they immediately like get quiet. So she gave me a thumbs up. So I think she, I think she's on board with me recording. Was she a, like a landlord lady or who is she? Is she a, uh, does she work for the condo council? Don't care. Don't, okay. So you, uh, you know what? I think I found a sore spot for young Lily Von Stuff. She's like, don't talk about my life. All right. So, uh, it's bad enough. You're smoking. Now we know that you've got this lady running around. Okay. You really want me to tell you? Uh, Okay, she's the uh there's a person from the condominium who's here. That's uh doing business. And uh okay, so she's here and uh, that's great. Yeah. Enjoy that everybody. I don't know why it was cuz normally I will stop if that sort of thing happens, but I I figured it was going to be happening with such frequency today. And you know, I got to be honest, if you run a condo and you come in and you see somebody recording in there, isn't there don't we get to pay a tax? Isn't there like a and a jagoff tax. I'm sure there's some sort of jagoff tax in this town that I got to pay. Once they find out what this show really is, they're gonna listen back to it and be like, "Oh, this guy's a prick. You got to give us forty dollars a month," uh, which seems low for a jagoff tax, quite frankly. Um, <laughs> all right. So where was I? I forgot. I got lost because they took. Oh, so so. Oh my God, yeah. So so I needed to get a job, and back then. Uh, like I said, when you're when you're that age, because I was only I was like 17 uh, at the time, and uh, I needed to get a gig, and so they, you know, everybody wants to know uh, what high school did you work at? Or, what, no, not work at. Where'd you go? Who cares? My friends got me a job at a record store, and uh, this was after I worked at a grocery store and ruined that job uh, by doing things that I should not be doing that I think the statute of limitations have run out on, but I still don't feel like discussing. So. 
uh, and here's the good thing too, by the way, go ahead and screw up at a, at a place that your mom works at too. That'll work out great for everybody. So, uh, I did that and I'm, I'm not smart. So I went up getting a job at a record store and, uh, I work with some people there and uh, here's ideas to it. All right. I'll tell you this scam that I did first. We get to call in our own payroll. And you had to call in and tell them what hours you worked and stuff. So around Christmas one year, I was like, ah, oh, you know what? I got it. All right. So I called in the payroll and uh, I gave myself uh, 10 extra hours of work <laughs> because I had worked 58 hours uh, or something like that in the, in the course of, uh, you know, it was like you called in every 10 days or something. So I worked 58 hours. So I called in and I went 58 hours. Like I said it like that to try to see if it would work and I would get extra money. I got a bigger paycheck. My check came. <laughs> From uh, corporate, and it was uh, had ten extra hours. And I can tell you this: that uh, that forty two fifty was huge money back then. I needed it desperately to uh, to pay for movies and uh, uh, you know late night dinners at Bob Evans. So it was the employees of this record store uh, that I worked with, and what we did was we worked out a system. Uh, because, you know, we had tons of cassette tapes and tons of albums and, you know, it, it was a, it was a killer job. It was really fun. It was a record store in a mall and, uh, we got to do our own inventory. So what we did was the people who worked there, uh, would, we would take things. All right. We would, uh, take cassette tapes and we would keep a running log of the price of the of the cassette tape. So there would be like 6.99, 7.99, 8.99, you know, 9.99, 10.99, a double album would be like 12.99. And you had to keep track of what you took. And then when it came time to do inventory every 4 months, everyone would bring in their list and we would add in the numbers that we had uh we all had taken over the pre- previous 4 months. <laughs> So the inventory that we would send to the corporate would match what they had sent us. So I got to think that after we did this for, you know, we did it for a year. And uh, let's put it this way. Remember I told the story in 7-Eleven and I had the gigantic suitcase of cassettes and it was double sided. So it was like, it was like 300 cassettes. Yeah. Um, I didn't even pay for the case. So... We would do this, and then we would have our inventory. Uh, and it was funny. The only person who wasn't in on it was the manager, like uh, this girl who was the manager because she saw apparently a very big career on the horizon with this company. And the rest of us really didn't fucking care. So we were taking cassettes, and then we would add in our numbers uh, at the end of the uh, you know the time, and uh, and we would do our own inventory. So and we the mall we worked in was like this just this tumbleweed mall i mean there was there was nothing there but us and a shoe store we were attached to a kmart and then there were guys meeting for blowjobs in the bathroom like it was that kind of mall like it was just this empty mall because like, you would see guys with like write notes on the wall like with times to meet we had security would have to go into the bathroom and like, chase guys out all the time so it was just this death mall in in uh, my hometown and uh finally uh our, our manager tells us one day that uh, that the the company has gone out of business. They're bankrupt, and uh, and we're like, wow, that's you know that's horrible news. But then all of us are kind of like, well, <laughs> I think we might know how it went bankrupt. Uh, but then in the final death blow, it, it, this will explain why the company went bankrupt. Okay, uh, in their final uh, corporate decision. They let us do the final inventory and box everything up to send it back to the corporate office. 
So, I mean, I don't, at that point, I'm just taking shit that I, like, I don't even care. I'm like, who's that, Al Hurt? Throw it in the box. Couldn't care less. We're just hoovering everything that we possibly can at that point. And the best part is then, you know, like four months later, I'm in my house. I go, Al Hurt? Well, how the fuck did this wind up here? Because we didn't care. It was just, I had, I had cassettes that for still, two months later, were still in the cellophane. Like, that I never even opened. I, I mean, I, I don't, uh, uh, and here's the, oh, and here's the best part. I, I, the manager of this place, uh, like I said, she she really, uh, kind, I guess she envisioned a career with these guys. I don't know how it worked out. And then we got the uh, the notice that they were going bankrupt. And she was so bitter and upset that it was going bankrupt. And then we were doing the final inventory, and she was so mad. She was like, you know, I'm so mad at these guys. You know, you know what? I think I'm going to take a tape. <laughs> you do that. You, you show them. <laughs> you know what why do you take two <laughs> I think that would really teach them a lesson <laughs> meanwhile I'm sleeping on unopened cassette tapes at my house I, I have a cassette of a cassette suitcase so big I can sleep in it like a hyperbaric chamber I took that home I took home like cassette luggage I had, I had a piece of music Samsonite that I brought to my house. And she's like, you know what? I might take one of those yellow inserts that you use to play 45s on your turntable. You do that. That's a good plan. Really stick it to the man, huh? <laughs> I got everything but the fucking cash register out of that building. <laughs> but by all means, you go ahead. You know, seriously, send them a stern message that you will not be trifled with. Grab a couple of tapes and get out of here. I felt like Damon Wayans in Beverly Hills Cop handing the bananas to Eddie Murphy. You take these tapes. You take these tapes and you run. By all means, send a message. Corporate can't do this to you. <laughs> I shut down that company. I really believe I, I did. I think we shut down that company. Oh, man. We had an operation. Nothing short of the Sopranos. It was literally... Inventory in the front and then right out the fucking back. We might as well have had an unmarked van that we were just loading music into. Just it, literally, it was it was like they always talk about the mob busts a place out. There's a great episode of The Sopranos where Robert Patrick gets into the mob and then they take his sporting goods store for everything it's worth. I did that to a record store. I cleaned him out. Made him pay me extra payroll by, by, by blurring my voice on there. I'm 17. This is how it started, folks. This is where it all started. What a jackass. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, man. We busted out a record store. That's hilarious. All right. And it's not hilarious. I understand. I look back and I'm sure it's fucking horrible. <laughs> I know it's a terrible thing, but it happened. And I don't think, you know what? I don't have a cassette tape at my house. Like, not one. I don't know where they are. They're in some landfill somewhere. Just this... You know, they've been unspooled. I'm sure, I'm sure corporate hanged themselves with whatever was left over. <laughs> uh, the only one I have left, Al Hurt. Still unopened. A monument to my craftiness and sneakability. <laughs> uh, oh, man. I, uh, it's funny. I wasn't going to tell that story. I actually had to stop. And I'm like, because uh, I know people that still... Like there are people who know me still that like might have might know of that story and might not be happy with me telling it. 
And uh, so I, I'm like, well, I'm not, I won't say any names, but then I, I always wonder if a story's worse because I don't say the names. Like, I think it's vague. Like, I'm like, this person, that person, and then this other person. Uh, but, you know, you can't start saying names because the next thing you know, I got a SWAT team knocking down my door. And go, Who are they? Who's involved? All of a sudden, Liam Neeson's got me tied to a chair with uh, battery jumper cables on the on the arms, and he's pouring water on me. Uh, go. By the way, that's a plug. Go read my review of Taken over at the uh, Comedy Film Nerds. I'm sure you'll love it. Why not? Everybody else did. Uh, yeah, so I uh, I may be severing relationships with these stories. I, I don't know. But I, that's why I try to be as vague as possible. I, I, you know, you'll people will write me and be like, hey, what? we want to know more about that. No, you don't. Trust me, you don't. <laughs> Nobody does. Uh, how did I get into that? How did I, I was talking, how did I talk about, uh, you know, actually I'm responsible for the economy. That's how I, you know, this, this new depression that's coming, it's all, it, these, this is all seismic fallout from what I did in 1985. <laughs> the swapping of pizzas for Sundays with Baskin Robbins has changed the face of American, uh, commerce. All right. Uh, what was, oh, Tahoe. That's what I was talking about. That's that's how this all began. Uh, so I met this guy named Guy, and uh, and he was like, dude, you need to come uh, with me to like Tahoe because I, I have a job, like a, a gambling thing. And I'm like, all right, I'm in. Because again, I'm doing nothing. I mean, what, what what am I doing besides getting yelled at by my brother and ruining jobs? So I said, all right, I'm on, I'm on the next plane, bus, or fucking boat to Tahoe. Let's do it. <laughs> So uh, he's going to go up in September because uh, that's when the football season starts and he wants to get established and get a place to live. And I can't go up until October. Uh, so he goes first. And uh, I take care of some uh, loose ends down in where I live. And by that, I mean I sit around and do nothing for four weeks. And, uh, and then I split and I go up there in October. Now, what it is, is Guy has a gambling proposition that he has extended to some friends and family where he lived up in, uh, uh, in the Bay Area. And... Uh, I want to say they entered this agreement in good faith, but I think what I should properly say is they fell for it. <laughs> what happened was Guy had been simulating football games and betting them in a simulation for like four years. And uh, he came out winning. He always won. He always won like 65% of his games. So he presented these facts to like his cousin and some family friends and his mom and all these people. And uh, he got them to back him with money and invest in a gambling program that he was going to go run. He was actually going to go to Tahoe, and he gets, I'm not kidding you folks, he got $35,000 from his family and friends to go and run his simulation football program for real. Like he was going to go and gamble uh, up and bet football every week. And then I was going to come up, and uh, I was going to run the bets. I was going to go to Reno. I was going to you know, go to uh, and bet, place the bets in Tahoe, and you had to go to different casinos. Uh, basically, it was two idiots playing grown-up with $35,000 of somebody else's money. Oh so uh, this is in 1987, like I said. And I get to Tahoe near the end of September, beginning of October. And Guy's system involved betting the best five bets of the week. So I don't know if you know anything about betting football. I will tell you, it's incredibly hard to win two games a week yeah. every week let alone five go seriously sit down and try to pick five games a week and see what your record is at the end of the at the end of the year i mean it's it's brutal against the spread it's tough but not only did guy bet the top five bets of the week but guy's system was predicated on betting his entire bankroll every week on those five games 
So that means he shows up with 35 grand. Okay, so he's got five games. He's going to bet seven grand on each game, five games. And if, if, God forbid, he goes over five, he loses all of his fucking money. And he's never gone over five in his simulations, which is so that's not going to be a problem. But, uh, but just say that the possibility is out there lurking. So this is also 1987. I should tell you this. This is 1987. If you know anything about me, folks, you know that I, uh, this is called the 40-year-old boy, but I'm 41. I was born in 1967. Uh, That means that I moved up there in like September, October of 87. That would make me 20 years old. (laughs) I should tell you the guy and I were the same age. We're 20, gambling $7,000 a week on football games, individual games, I mean, we're just asking to get taken down by the feds. I don't know what the fuck we were doing. Uh, and again, well, I know what I was doing. I was gravy training on a guy who asked me to come up to Tahoe. That's all I was fucking doing. But this guy had a plan. And I don't know how his family invested. I, it was shady from the fucking jump. But I said, I'm in. Because, again, I'm doing nothing. And what the hell? I've never lived in Tahoe. So I go to Tahoe. By the time I get there, it's 1987. And he's down a little bit because he hasn't had a great September. But I will also tell you this, folks. In 1987, the National Football League had a strike. And when that strike happened, it was like three weeks in, I think, October, right when I got there. And uh, Guy... Rather than take a step back and go, you know what? My system is predicated on betting the top five bets, but it's also predicated on professional football players (laughs) playing professional football. He continues to gamble with the replacement players. The NFL went out and they hired a bunch of plumbers and a bunch of high school football coaches and fucking gym teachers to come in and play in NFL uniforms, and Guy continued to bet. What the fuck are you doing? And so I would say to him, dude, I, why are you still betting? Trust me, it's going to work out fine. Meanwhile, like I said, we're going out to eat I have because I have no income. He's paying me. He's, he's paying me $800 a week to run, to run the bets and be that guy and do a bunch of computer work. Basically, I was his friend. I, I was paid to be Gilligan. I was his Gilligan. Because, st- again, I'm being paid to stay up all night and play computer football on one of the first Macs that I'd ever seen in my life. It's, it's 87. He and I are playing a computer football game that is so, it was so fun, but also so simplistic. Literally, it was X's and O's on the screen, and you would punch in a play, he would punch in a play, and then you would watch the X's and O's smash into one another. That was the game. But it was fucking awesome. So we would stay up until, you know, probably seven in the morning gambling, and then I would go, you know, sleep in my room, and then we'd wake up, and then we'd go eat a fancy dinner somewhere. And then he would bet hockey or basketball. Because why not? He's got all this money from his cousin. I mean, it was just two fuck-ups walking into one another and playing. And look, I used to carry a gun. I'll tell you that. I had a, a briefcase with a gun. Like, it was his gun. I didn't know. It was like a 20. It was a small fucking, like a 38 or a 22. I don't know what the fuck it was, but it was small. But he would say, you got to carry this. Why do I got to carry this? Why? Again, I had never shot a gun in my life. I knew nothing about it. But it was worth it to be a tough guy, and I would wear a tie and carry my briefcase with a gun in it to go and bet. What an idiot! Just asking to be put in jail. Just begging for anyone to railroad me a fucking briefcase with $24,000 in cash and a gun. And I'm 20 in a casino. Idiot! Driving to Reno to find out. And not even driving. Hiring a car service to take me to Reno. That's how much money we were spending. We had a car service that took me to Reno so I could go to different casinos and see what the lines were to see if I could get an extra half point. Well, you know what? Getting the extra half point was not worth shelling out the fucking $80 each way car service. 
Oh, man. Just a couple of idiots hemorrhaging fucking cash. So he continues to bet during the replacement games, and I can't believe it. So then he kind of asks me if I can take a pay cut. And uh, and I am very understanding because, again, we're friends, and I see what he's going through, and I immediately say, fuck no. Because <laughs> I see it all coming down. And uh, and then he's like, but honestly, I did. I finally, I said, yeah, that's cool. And he's like, maybe you should get a job. And I'm like, uh, this is getting much worse than I thought. I thought we had this money and you had this system and everything. and uh, uh, and But it's all falling apart, man. And I can see it coming apart at the seams. Because we're up in this condo in the in the mountains. And he, he we're shelling out money for food. And, and he bought a computer. I mean, it's, just, it's crazy. Hemorrhaging cash. So I wind up getting a job as a house painter. Uh, I enter an ad in the paper. And I'm like, yeah, I'll do this. That's fine. And uh, if you folks know anything about me, you know that I don't enjoy work. And let me tell you something. House painting is fucking work. The first day I go with the guy, it's just me and a guy. It's not even like a, a crew. It's me and a dude. It could not have been a nicer man. He picks me up at 6 a.m. at the condo. Uh, and I'd gone to bed at 4.30. I tried to go to bed a little earlier, but I couldn't get to sleep. Because, again, my schedule is all fucked up. So he picks me up to go paint a house. Uh, he's going to work in the front. I work in the back. You know what I had to do in the back, folks? Here's what I had to do in the back. I had to sand off all of the paint from the back of the house. Think about that. I didn't have a sander or a blaster. I had to do it by hand with, like, sandpaper blocks. There was a banister. I actually had to have sandpaper on, like, a toothbrush-looking thing, and I had to get in between the banister and sand the paint off so we could paint the house. I I mean... I'm in the back and it's like sunny and it's really nice and I'm just back there and it's like just me scraping constantly to get the the paint off so we can paint the back of that and and he's like hey you want to go to lunch yes anything to get me away from this tedium because I'm about to murder myself and uh, we go to lunch and then he uh, I work again the rest of the day and then he goes and drops me off the condo and he shows up the next morning and I don't answer the door. I laid on the futon and I heard him knocking. I heard him knocking. I heard him ring the bell a few times and I was not getting up. Done. One day of a house painting uh, experience is more than enough for me. So I go to Guy, I go, look, I can't do that. So Guy's like, all right, so we wind up betting. So we get, uh, finally the strike ends, but his bankroll is completely depleted. And his mom is calling, and he won't call his mom back. Like, you know, he's got family calling the house because they're trying to find out what's going on, and he's not calling them back. Uh, and I actually wind up talking to his mom on the phone, and I'm like, no, everything's fine. Everything's okay. I, you know, I'm, uh, no, it's great. I got a job as a painter. <laughs> and uh, anyway, so then uh, trips to, you know, Reno started to become few and far between because we can't afford the car service anymore. And, uh, uh, you know, he takes his gun, and he's going to, you know, that's, I don't want anything to do with it. And uh, so finally, so then we get into November and uh, again, the money's dwindling. Uh, We, you know, (laughs) we're eating out a little less or, you know, eating at cheaper places. And finally, uh, middle of November, one day he goes 0-4. Like he loses the first four games and he, the only game he has left is the night game, which is Chargers Raiders. And, uh, and the Raiders had not lost. I'm trying to remember what it was like. The Raiders had not lost in San Diego in, I think, 11 years. I mean, it was this crazy thing. So, obviously, he bet the Raiders. And I happened to be out at the casinos, and he was back at the condo. And uh, I watched the game at the casinos because I was there to collect the money. 
Well, I had uh, no money to collect after the first four games, so I decided to hang out and see if there was anything to scrape up after the last game. And uh, suffice it to say, the Raiders went in and lost in San Diego. Hadn't lost their, you know, he he laid points even, and he lost outright. Like they and they got blistered. I think they got eight sacks. Mark Wilson was their quarterback back then, and it was just they just got absolutely fucking ambushed. And and uh, and then the game was like close, but not really close. It was one of those games. I think they got sacked eight times. Whatever. So I'm back at the casino, and it don't. I, it, I there's no money. I mean, there's nothing left. Uh, I, I think I got like a hundred bucks on me and, and, and I got to take a cab back to the condo. So uh, by the time I get to the condo, I get, I get in and all the lights are out. Like everything's dark. And uh, I, I'm a little freaked out and I'm like, guy. And he's like, yeah, he's sitting in the dark in the living room. <laughs> and uh, I go, uh, I guess you watched the game. <laughs> and he's like, I can't fucking believe it. I can't fucking believe it. And he's just saying, I can't fucking believe it over and over. And, uh, and I say to him, I go, look, you know, don't worry about it. We're going to be fine. Uh, we just got, and he's like, no, you don't fucking understand. I just lost like 40 grand of, of my family's money. Like I just lost all this money. I'm like, guy, relax. Okay. It's just, you know, it's no big deal. You can make a phone. Cause I mean, and it is, it's a huge fucking deal. I know it's a huge deal. But what do you say? I mean, I can't just go, yeah, you fucked up, you know, way to go. I mean, I'm trying to do anything I can because again, it's completely dark in the room. And, uh, and uh, remember this guy's got a gun. All right. So I don't know what the fuck is going to happen. So, uh, uh, he starts, kind of babbling like just kind of talking about his mom and and i and i don't know what to do i mean i i have you know again i'm 20 and even at 40 i wouldn't know what the fuck to do because i'm not exactly captain crisis you know what i mean i don't know what the hell to do so he stands up and he just starts he's getting manic and he's starting to pace thankfully he doesn't have the gun i immediately look he doesn't have the gun on him and i turn the lights on now because he's standing up i figure it's safe and uh, he's walking in circles and he's pacing and he's pulling his hair out. Like he's, he's literally pulling his hair and kind of pulling it out. And I'm like, dude, you need to calm down. You need to seriously, you need to calm down. He's like, he goes, I got to, I got to kill myself. That's all I can do is I can kill myself. I just got to kill myself. I'm like, you need to relax. You need to sit down. You need to relax. We can get through this. And, uh, and again, remember I have nothing. I mean, I don't know. I don't know anybody in town, but him. And again, he doesn't know anybody in town, but me and then the dregs of fucking humanity that we gamble with every day down at the casino. So I'm, I, I haven't grabbed him yet, but he's walking and he's, he's literally, he's like punching himself. Now he's starting to punch himself in the arm and it's like really strange. And finally he goes, fuck it. I got to kill myself. I got to kill myself. He goes outside to the balcony. We have a balcony and it's, we're on like the third floor of a, of a condo. And he goes to jump. And he goes right to the balcony. He starts to climb up on it. And I go, guy, guy. And he climbs up and he goes, fuck it. And I grab him by the jacket now. And I just whip him into the house and I throw him on the ground, hoping that that will kind of wake him up. Like, I mean, like, dude. And he goes, you got to let me do this. And he was a big guy. He was probably like six, five. Uh, and I wasn't crazy fat at the time. So he tries to get by me again and I grab him again and I put him up against the wall. I'm like, guy, you need to calm down. He's like, fuck it. I, there's no, I got to fucking, I got to fucking die. And he goes to jump, like push, like, and now we're both going to go over. And it's like, well, fuck it. That's it. I'm done playing this game. And I pin him up against the wall and I just fucking, I slap him as hard as I can in the face. I just open hand slap him as hard as I can in the face. You need to calm down. You need to get a grip. Okay. You need to fucking relax, and we need to figure out what we're going to do. You're not jumping off the balcony. 
because I'm not taking that phone call from your mom. <laughs> so he just kind of like looks down and he's shaking and he's really weirded out and he, and he still punched himself in the arm kind of, but he stops. He, he stops being manic. And we go in to kind of talk about well, what's going to happen. And uh, basically what's going to happen is we're going to move because we're not going to be able to make December rent in the condo. So uh, over the next two weeks, like he, he kind of starts looking for a job, and, uh, and so do I, and we try to figure out where we're going to live and what we're going to do. Well, by the end of the month, we really don't have anywhere to go, because basically what we did for getting jobs, uh, this is what we did. We, uh, he went to his own personal bank account and decided, let's go ahead and gamble that money, because that will let us get a stake, and we can go ahead and start over. And again, I don't know anybody or anything about this town. And I'm like, all right, go, all right, let's do it. So we wind up gambling. He winds up taking his money. We're playing, we're gambling like hockey and college basketball and air, I mean anything you could fucking imagine. And uh, uh, but we have nowhere to live, so we have to go at the end of the month and we move into a hotel. Uh, we moved into the Montgomery Inn, and uh, the two of us are in a room with one bed. Uh, I'm sleeping on the floor. He sleeps in the bed. And, uh, and what we would do is we would go during the day to the casinos and we'd gamble and try to win. And then we would come home and we would buy one, one pound bag of to- tortilla chips and we would steal a jar of salsa. That's what we ate every single day. Uh, we would eat, we would eat chips and salsa. That's all we would eat until the weekend when the Montgomery Inn had complimentary donuts and coffee. We would stay up all night. Friday night, we would wait for the donut guy to come. Saturday morning, we would go down and we would just eat all the donuts. We would fucking, we would try to wait till the guy was out. And I mean, I didn't even drink coffee, but I was chugging it because it was fucking free. I didn't care. It was a fucking sugar rush. And uh, we would, you know, we would pocket donuts and eat donuts and do whatever we could and then drink as much coffee as possible to the point where we'd come downstairs and the guy from the hotel was just like, Oh shit! But we were paying our rent, so we had we you know we got free pastry. We were excited. So uh, so meanwhile, we we just get in this vicious cycle of gambling, and uh, and you know we we weren't winning. I mean, we weren't doing that. We would occasionally win, and then we'd be able to pay a week's worth of rent. But then sometimes we didn't make rent, and we were homeless. Uh, we would sleep in the casino. And uh, we relied on, like, we got to know people at the casino. There was this guy, John, who worked in the buffet. And if he was working in the buffet, he would feed us. We would go through the line and he would see us and he would just kind of like give a nod and, and he would, we would eat at the buffet. But that was few and far between because it just felt like a dick move to do that to John. So, uh, but the good thing is when we would eat in a place like that, we would then steal tips off of the tables because we needed money. We needed to do something. And, uh, and we would, you know, we'd walk out of there with like 15 bucks, which we would immediately bet on the Canadians. Like, I don't, we're betting hockey. That's, that's a fucking derelict when you're betting hockey. Uh, but we were, we were essentially homeless. Like we, I would live, I would sleep in the casino for three days at a time. Like, and, uh, you know, we were gambling and trying to steal money. It was just, it was very bad. And then they would lock up our room at the Montgomery Inn with all of our stuff uh, and then when we would get money, finally we'd go and be able to get our stuff out of jail. You know what I mean? Like they, they would have our clothes and our, you know, his computer and everything, whatever else we had. And they would, uh, they would have to give it back to us and give us a room. Uh, so we played that game for a while and, uh, that was not fun. I can tell you that folks. It's, uh, I don't recommend being homeless and surviving on chips and salsa. You know what I do recommend it for losing weight. 
because over the next five months, I lost uh, 110 pounds because we, I had no money and nothing to do. It was, it was just crazy. And, uh, and we were gambling, and, and we just got into this horrible cycle. And finally, we actually rented a room from a woman and her son. And uh, we rented a room, two guys renting a room. I can't believe she let us, but uh, I don't know if she thought we were uh, uh, gay or, or not. I, I, all I know is we wound up, again, I'm spending every single moment of my life with this guy. And he still hasn't called his family. Like, I mean, it just this, it's this tragedy of epic proportions. We move in in December. We move in with this woman, Dolores, who was very nice. And, uh, and she rents us this room. And he and I, he gets a job at Radio Shack. Uh, I get a job at a pizza place. And so we're actually kind of making money. And I start making friends at the pizza place, like outside of him. But he's making no friends. And he's also living with the burden of having ripped his family off to the tune of 40 grand. So he can't, he's kind of got his claws in me. And he, you know, he, he hasn't adapted well to the town, whereas I'm kind of starting to make friends. But I'm with him virtually every minute of every day, except for when we're working. So we're finally one day, we're at uh, Dolores' house and we're playing computer football. And, uh, again, we're playing this, the game that we had been playing forever and we wind up playing a game and it's the, I'm the bears and he's the ran or the, the Cardinals. That's how old it is. There's still a St. Louis Cardinals. And, uh, and I wind up winning late in the game or something. And he starts giving me a bunch of shit and I say to him, I go, all right, you know, enough back off. And he starts talking shit to me and I'm like, you need to calm down. And he's like, no, fuck. You wouldn't even be here if it wasn't for me. You know? And I go, yeah, you're right. I wouldn't fucking be here if it wasn't for you. <laughs> Uh, and quite frankly, you wouldn't be here if it wasn't for me because you were going to jump off a fucking balcony three months ago. <laughs> and we start having this drag out fight and he starts yelling at me. In her house, and finally I go, shut up, shut the fuck up. I go, seriously, shut up or fight. He's like, what? I go, shut up or come out in the fucking yard and let me knock every tooth out of your fucking head because I'm tired of it. It, it. This is it. It was it was finally it was the schism where we had we had had we were enough of one another we had been through as much as we possibly could as much as two human beings could be through go through with one another i think we did i mean we went through homelessness and you know theft and every other horrible thing (laughs) and i saw him lose 40 grand i mean we we, you know we'd been kind of each other's guy we were married we were essentially married for for four months and this was it i finally said i go you need to shut up right now or you need to come outside and fight me because that's it i'm not going to have this anymore he's like what and i go and he starts going wow i go shut the fuck up shut the fuck every time he'd open his mouth i go shut up or fight shut up or fight shut up or fight and uh he shut up and that was when i decided you know what i really have nothing to do with this guy ever again because a man would have fought me (laughs) i don't care what you think a man would have fought me. If you got a guy in your face telling you to shut up or fight and you shut up, then you know what? You're a fucking pussy. Take a walk. And yeah, again, that's that's 20-year-old me talking, all right? And it's somewhat 41-year-old me talking. If someone is that, if you're that, you've got that much invested and you're that intense and you're actually talking a bunch of shit and someone says, that's it, let's go in the yard right now. Let's, and they're actually rolling their sleeves up like they're in a 1920s movie. Come on, let's go. You and me, shut up or fight. Shut up or fight. I'm serious. I am not going to take this anymore. I'm not going to listen to one more fucking word from you. We are going to go outside and fucking jam in the yard or you're going to shut the fuck up. That's it. And you shut up? Man, I don't know what to tell you. You know what? I, you know what? You should have jumped off the balcony three months ago. Because if you, seriously, if you choose to shut up instead of fight, just go ahead and fucking kill yourself. <laughs> Did he? Did he what? Kill himself? 
No. You know what's funny? He got this job at Radio Shack, and uh, uh, I was working at the pizza place, and then I wound up, that's when I started to make friends with people and, and, uh, and wound up started dating and, you know, everything. My life started to kind of open up. Uh, he just continued to retreat within himself. And it's funny that Radio Shack was kind of in the same strip mall as my pizza place. And uh, he told me, he came up to me one day finally, and he said, hey, man, I've, I've worked it out. He, was, uh, he developed a system where he was hiding electronic equipment in the dumpster and then coming back <laughs> and picking it up at night and going to pawn it or sell it, and then he was going to gamble with it. And uh, I said to him, I go, dude, I, I, I'm out. I go, I'm, I'm oh, really? out. Really? Finally. Because you know, normally, that sounds like a plan I'd be on board for immediately. <laughs> Hey, you know what? That sounds great. Let's do it. But at this point, I had made friends and kind of moved on. And uh, uh, I was like, you know what, dude? You do your thing. And I think he actually got pinched doing it. I, like, I lost complete track of him. And it's funny. Uh, uh, I, like, I, I haven't Googled him. I haven't tried to find him or anything. And Because and, I'm sure whatever he's doing, he's doing well. I can't imagine going to tell your family you lost 40 grand of their money betting on plumbers playing football. I just think that's the craziest fucking thing I've ever heard. But that's what he did, and that's what I did, and that's what got me to Tahoe. And then, uh, uh, you know, I wound up living there for two years, But uh, and it was the best. It was so great. And then, I will tell you this, we lived with Dolores in her house, and uh, <laughs> this one was really nice, and she had a son, and I would help him with his homework, and it was really kind of neat. It was neat because, again, living in a fucking hotel and eating free donuts and drinking coffee at 6 in the morning, that's not conducive to anyone's growth. Uh, but then living with Dolores was fun, and it was great. And, uh, and I will say this, I was in her house, I found the craziest vibrator I'd ever found in my entire life in her house. I know that makes no sense, I apologize, but uh, I was, you know, the phone rang, and I, I was near her bedroom, so I ran in to kind of grab the phone in her bedroom, and I had to write, I had to take a message for her, so I, I was looking for a pad of paper, I opened up her, uh, like, night table, her nightstand, and it was, again, this is 1987, so the, the advances in sex toys, folks, are unbelievable because now you can go find it literally it looks like they chopped off a guy's cock and put it in cellophane and you can buy it i mean it's like that now they've molded them and they're just amazing looking but i'm telling you this one it was just this hunk of awful looking plastic it, it was you know what it, it should, might as well have just said on the side vibrator like in big black letters it was like ghostly white and uh and it was and it was like kind of ribbed but it it looked like you know what it looked like it looked like the hose for a dryer you know what i'm talking about <laughs> like that that kind of like weird ribbing all the way up to the top and it wasn't even sh- it was shaped like a dick only in that it was like cylindrical but uh, at the top and it was like bul- it had like a bulb on the top almost like a uh I want to say like a tennis ball, but it looked kind of like bigger. It it wasn't, and it wasn't a Hitachi magic wand, which is, you know, longer and has the, uh, the thing, but it wasn't that, uh, it was just, it was a standalone plastic fucking vibrator and it took like five D batteries. It was one of those gigantic, I mean, it was crazy looking and uh, and I remember grabbing it and then looking at it and then I'm just like, well, why are you put her vibrator away? You idiot. This woman took you in. It's like if Hansel and Gretel went and found the witch's vibrator. You know what I mean? Like, you know, they, uh, they, she took you in, idiots. Give her a break. So I had to put it away. And, uh, and I put the vibrator away. And, uh, and man, But the funniest part is being on the phone. Hold on, let me try to find a pen. Well, oh, my God. Hold on. I just stumbled onto a robot cock. I, and it's frightening. It's scary. Do me a favor. Hang up and call 911 and get them over here immediately because this thing might attack me at any second. It could go off. I'm going to need a bomb squad. There's a red wire and there's a blue wire and there's like nine batteries in this fucking thing. Please help me. 
and uh, because it, it looks like uh, just like a table leg with a pubic hair attached to it. Somebody <laughs> fucking come here and tackle it. Honest to God, I'm going to put my foot on its neck and take Guy's gun and shoot the head off of it just so it doesn't kill again. You guys can write me at Mike at MikeSchmidtComedy.com. You guys can get me at MySpace.com slash MikeSchmidtComedy. You can go ahead and be my friend over there. You can go ahead and join me in my uh, in my cause cele- celebre. Celebre? Celeb? Cause celeb? I don't know. Uh, but join me and be my friend. And also you can review me on iTunes. That would be fun. And also if you go to Mike schmidtcomedy.com slash podcast dot ASP. There are subscription links so you can subscribe to this show either in uh, iTunes or if you need a feed uh, for your Zune slash Rhapsody slash, I don't know, Walkman. Maybe you can go ahead and put it in your Walkman. I have no idea. Maybe it works out that way. Uh, guys, remember that Lily Von Stupp, our friend, is available at Burlesque 411. That's Lily, L-I-L-I, at Burlesque411.com. And also remember the Monday Night Tease is every Monday night at uh, the three clubs on Santa Monica and Vine. And that show starts at 10 o'clock every Monday night. Go ahead and check it out. Uh, and uh, are you dancing this week? You're just there. She's hosting, so go and watch her uh, uh, be funny and uh, be partially naked. That'll be fun. And uh, you want to plug your new shows yet? Are those up and running or no? Uh, yeah. Uh, MySpace Burlesque After Dark. MySpace Burlesque After Dark. Where's that located? Oh, I'm sorry. Go to MySpace.com slash Burlesque After Dark, and uh, there will be information about her coming shows. And Liz is becoming the uh, burlesque entrepreneur, and uh, and uh, she's going to leave me behind, quite frankly. It's just going to be her and uh, boas and feathers, and then no no time to record this show. So <laughs> go ahead and check that out. Uh, but again, you can write me, Mike, at MikeSchmidtComedy.com, MySpace.com slash MikeSchmidtComedy. Also, remember to go to ComedyFilmNerds.com and uh, read my review of Taken. Read all the reviews that are there. Go ahead and buy Lord Caret's CD, buy anybody's CD, buy Doug Benson's CD, buy Graham Elwood's stuff. Uh, Chris Mancini's got movies there. And I'm actually in uh, one of his movies. He's selling Hit Clown. Uh, go watch me be a bookie who gets shot. That's, uh, it's, it's, let me tell you, it's a classic performance. And uh, I'm nothing if not a fantastic actor. And, uh, and I'm only lucky, honestly, that Chris didn't keep the outtakes where I freaked out on the cinematographer for, for uh, adjusting the lights while I was trying to get into character. Uh, <laughs> did you hear that? Did you hear Christian Bale freak out? Oh, my God, it's the greatest. I, I, I'm so happy. And it's so funny. People are freaking out and they're, oh, they're upset at Christian Bale. Fuck you. Who cares? It's an actor screaming at a guy. I think it's fantastic. Because if, if you haven't heard it, Christian Bale is on, uh, he's on the Terminator set and uh, he's trying to do a scene and the, the director of photography, I guess, walks into the scene as they're shooting it and Christian Bale unloads on this guy for four minutes. I mean, just this. And, and like threatens to kick his ass like nine times, says fuck, I think, I think 37 times in four minutes, just absolutely fucking hammers him. And then uh, he, he actually, got, the guy's trying to explain himself at one point and you hear Christian Bale like run, like to attack him and the people hold him back. It's fucking brilliant. And, uh, and people are upset about it. And I, I got to be honest with you, I'm not upset about it at all. I think, first of all, he should have done it in the Batman voice. I think that would have been hysterical if it had been like, you know, why are you walking on the set? Like just freaking out. Uh, but also, I think if, the, if Hollywood had any sort of sense of humor, which they don't, by the way, we all know that, right? <laughs> Hollywood has no sense of humor about itself. Because if they did, then David Letterman would still be hosting the Oscars. Because when David Letterman hosted the Oscars, he was hilarious. And uh, you know why? Because he made fun of it. He was just like, this is a pompous, ridiculous event, and I'm going to take the piss out of it a little bit. And uh, Hollywood was not happy about it. Uh, From Oprah, Uma, Uma, Oprah, he lost Hollywood, and that was it. You know, one of the funniest things ever on the Oscars, David Letterman did a thing where uh, he was in Cabin Boy. 
He's the funniest thing in Cabin Boy. Uh, there's a scene with Chris Elliott. It, it's literally 90 seconds long, but he says to him at one point, hey, would you like to buy a monkey? David Letterman says that to Chris Elliott's character, the Cabin Boy. So in uh, on the Oscars, they came up with an idea to have a bunch of people do a dramatic reading of the line, hey, would you like to buy a monkey? And they and they had a bunch of different actors do it. John Turturro did it as Burt Lancaster. And I mean, they all just like, hey, would you like to buy a monkey? I can't even do it. But it was like all these different actors. But the funniest one, Michael Buffer, the, the boxing announcer, just went, monkey! Why would you ever ask him to do that? It is so ludicrous to even include him in this Hollywood thing. I thought it was fantastic. And again, they never had him in. So anyway, if Hollywood had any sense of humor about Christian Bale, you know what they'd do? They'd have him present the Academy Award for cinematography this year. <laughs> just have him walk out, just to hear the murmur in the crowd as he has to go up and give the speech. Directors of photography and cinematographers are the lifeblood of our industry and certainly make sure that every shot is done properly. Just to hear him have to say those words and smirk with his English accent and knowing that he had, it's like, it's literally like making a child go up and apologize to the class. They should do it. They should absolutely fucking make him run out there. And, and you know what? He should even have to present, co-present with the guy he chewed out. Have them both watch the podium and just, and, and just guy i am not a good guy but i don't think i'm a bad person overall so uh and go ahead and by all means judge that i'm kind of a jag off i got the future what am i talking about but i am a jag off and i'm not a jerk i'm a nice guy it's just i guess i have jerky tendencies i've done so much ridiculous stuff and then i, I wonder afterwards i'm like man how come i don't uh, hang out with anybody here's why because you're a dick You're fit, 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 you're fit.